Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yes, it's the Spark Parade starring me, Adam Unz. How are you? I hope you're doing well. I am doing great. So, another exciting episode for you this week. I talked to Glyn Fussell. He's one of the founders of London nightlife juggernaut Sink the Pink. He's also one of the primary people responsible for the Mighty Hoopla Festival, which just happened last weekend. It's a pretty fucking big deal. I mean, Shaka Khan headlined, so, uh, yeah. And if that's not enough, Glyn is a bit of a media mogul these days, and he has his own Radio 1 podcast called Drag Queen's Den. Quite a CV, eh? Glenn wanted to talk about his love for queer icon and musical superstar Boy George. Good idea, right? But before we get to my frankly adorable chat with Glenn, I want to talk to you about cover versions. There are different kinds of covers across different kinds of art. When a play or a ballet or an opera has a revival, that's a kind of cover. Reinterpreting the same body of work, but with different performers, a different director, new sets, etc. Films get remade. Even paintings can get covered, as I discussed in my interview with Simon Arispe. Shameless plug for a past episode alert. Titus Kafar's work involves creating reproductions of paintings and reinterpreting them by painting over them or cutting or tearing the canvas. And then, of course, there are cover versions of songs. Now, some covers serve only as a slightly updated version of the original, and some of those nearly identical cover versions work. But to my mind, the magic of covers is when they take a work of art and improve it or interpret it in a completely new way. One of the masters of the cover song was the late, great Aretha Franklin. Now, I'm already entirely biased. She is one of the artists who's had the greatest effects on my life. Her voice and her music mean so much to me, and... Obviously, she's one of the most important performers in modern music history. But one of her greatest skills was an uncanny and nearly unparalleled ability to reinterpret songs in a manner that made the world almost forget that the original existed. Her cover of Otis Redding's Respect elevated an already excellent song by an amazing artist and turned it into an undeniable classic. Aretha's version is the version. Even Otis Redding said that. Dionne Warwick's version of Say a Little Prayer is lovely, if a little twee. Forgive me, Dionne, you're incredible too. But Aretha's version is transcendent. The two versions share a melody, but Aretha fulfills the song's true potential. Rich, soulful flourishes that don't exist in the original version. It's a completely different song. The same goes for her Beatles covers. Sorry to the Beatles, you're great too. The originals sound stiff and flat when you hear the way Aretha sang them. And it's not just melodies she embellishes and enhances, it's lyrics too. 
Her version of Elton John's Border Song is a fully religious experience. She was singing gospel. Her experience of those words was completely different to Elton John's, and it showed. And that's what a cover should be, putting your stamp on an existing artwork. And one of the best ways the world can honor Aretha's legacy is to follow her example. That means no more identical or significantly diminished remakes of movies just because you can. If you're going to make your own version of an existing artwork, please make sure you have something to add to it. Got it? Good! End of rant. Let's skip along to my chat with the lovely Glenn Fussell about his love for the incomparable boy George. Um, yeah, so Boy George, I guess. I'm sorry, I love Boy George. Yeah. So, always uh, have, always will. Yeah, obviously, I think, you know, in our lifetimes, he's always kind of been uh, a public figure and everyone's known who he is. But do you remember, like, a specific thing that turned you onto your music? Or do you remember, like, stuff uh, from your childhood that involved him? Yeah. I mean, for me, it was. Actually, I wasn't as aware of the music from the beginning. It was about my big sister, who's 10 years older than me. She was really into Culture Club. And mm. I remember being about, probably about four. So 1984, I was born in 1980. And I remember my sister and her friend Sharon coming on one day dressed as Boy George. <laughs> and I, I had an outer body experience by what I was seeing. Because I grew up in a very normal bristol neighborhood where all the houses look the same and you're encouraged not to step out of your norm and there was my sister and sharon kind of really i don't know just playing around with they didn't even know they were playing around with gender by the way at that point but there they were playing around with gender and identity and but more than that just like looking like a creature that i'd never witnessed mm -hmm. it was honestly at that point i became really obsessed and and actively hunting anything to do with boy george and i'm talking at that young age and which was very easy because my parents are sun readers um at that point in time he was in the sun all the time you know the scandal of his entire life so i definitely definitely was it was more about the image from the beginning uh, mm -hmm. and something i obviously felt in me and the music came later yeah, yeah. my sister helped me with because we were the boy george fans <laughs> Just looking back through all of his looks kind of through the through his career, I think it is so striking that in the 80s, you know, obviously the new romantics were around and there, there was a little bit of playing with gender in uh, pop music generally, but it was like boys wearing eyeliner, nothing that was, I mean, you know... Um, I, I remember the controversy. I mean, people just thought he was a woman, mm. but but not in that classic um, drag queen way. He was the first, I really, in, in many ways, the first, or first, for me, definitely the first gay man, but we weren't even identifying him at that point as a gay man. This just this first creature where we didn't know, is it a man, is it a woman, is it drag, is it not? He was, he was so groundbreaking. And also, you know, he was a working class boy. So mm -hmm. he had that real working class relatability. So he was a sort of, weird genderless alien that could live next door to you and i think that also freaked out <laughs> freaked out britain um, and the world but also was so exciting i guess for me really not since bowie i imagine for like my, my parents generation had there been someone that was so all just so confusing i remember everyone being confused about it mm-hmm 
I remember so much so that one year, I believe it was 1986, at the Smash Hits poll winners party, he was nominated for best male and best female, which <laughs> is hilarious when you think about it. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I think the difference between him and someone like Bowie is that even though he never spoke explicitly about his sexuality, you know, until the 90s, I think, yeah, um, he read very gay um, you know, the way that he spoke, it was like anyone who has any experience with gay people, I think, would recognize him as a gay person. People didn't. My mum and dad had never met a gay person until me. Mm. So I, there wasn't gays working with them in Sainsbury's or <laughs> there wasn't yeah. gay Carnation Street then. That's the thing you have to remember. So people didn't. I mean, the fact that we didn't guess that George Michael was gay, you know, looking mm -hmm. back now, hilarious. Yeah. But. But at that point in time, when in, in when George Michael came out as well, people were thought that he was this sort of like really sexy young straight man. Come on now, please. <laughs> that is it. So it was just confusing, I think. Gay in general, but he was uber confusing. Yeah. And I think the combination of like really beautiful like fashion makeup, but then this kind of hodgepodge of clothes, like things that didn't really match. It wasn't, it, like you said, it wasn't like he was dressing in drag yeah. or trying to look like a woman. It was like... Well, because it. I guess when you look at it retrospectively, you kind of get an idea now of where it was all coming from because there was obviously a huge punk influence. But mm. then some of the makeup was almost like Elizabethan. Almost. Mm -hmm. And then he was doing that kind of, you know... <sighs> what he he was see, he was mixing it with the things that he was seeing on the streets of London as well with all of like different cultures that were living in London at the time so it really was i just it's really exciting because i think now when i go out you sometimes you see so much inspiration that's come from before from mm -hmm. people like, um Lee Barry or or boy George and these kids i don't think know that it came from there but i don't know i feel like it was a, a purer time then in terms of where they were getting their inspiration from barry and and boy george because they were kind of mixing it from different cultures and different times and it was do you know what i mean it wasn't they weren't taking their style from other people mm -hmm. or like it was actually coming from different heritages and and there was just so the, the influence was so different yeah and and, a way, and in a weird way what way more authentic mm -hmm. and you know now it's i think well, especially with the internet. yeah with yeah the that the internet has made it so that people can see anything they want from anywhere in the world all the time and, yeah. and everything's a bit more muddled sure yeah it, it it is also amazing that obviously the music made the band shit tons of money and made everybody very famous but the image and his like the the legend of Boy George was equally as famous as the the music, if not more. Well, in in many ways, I I do feel that he was the perfect pop star. He is the perfect pop star because he was not like anyone else. Obviously, he was so bloody press worthy. There was so much there. He was controversial, but sadly, what often gets overlooked is that he's actually really amazing. Such a great talent. I love his voice. Like, I really still, to this day, I mean, his tone is insane. And his lyrics are so melancholy and bittersweet and romantic. I just, I, there's, I, I won't be able to say a bad thing about him, I'm afraid. I just love him. Yeah. Everything about him. And I, I love the, the just the, the, the band's narrative, just the fact that 
all of those love songs that when they were at their peak were written about John Moss, the drummer in the band, mm-hmm. who was obviously bisexual or, or whatever he called it. I don't even know if he calls himself bisexual, but he was with George and not with George and then with George. So it's just the story. It's a story like no other, as mm-hmm. far as, really. And and I think now people are remembering, not that he's dead, but really <laughs> and actually focusing on George's talent. Some of the songs, you know, I listen to, you know, a song called Victims, mm-hmm. which I think is one of the most bittersweet, beautiful songs ever written. And like, you can hear the pain in his voice and just everything about it is just like perfection for me. Perfect pop song. And I love Time as well. That's one of my favorite songs. Mm. And t- I don't think Time is dated ever. You can listen to that as a song and it still sounds just so fresh. I love it. Yeah, and they've just even, put out a new just, album as well. Yeah, the new album. But did you hear? I loved. Um, I love the fact that recently, in recent years, he's popped up on. You know, he did the, that great song with Mark Ronson, "Somebody to Love." Oh and, yeah, yeah. Which is and his voice on that is whoa. Then you hear it with like modern day production, you go, "Fuck, this is so good, mm-hmm. so good." And the great track he did with Anthony and Johnson, who's now an Oni, but um. Mm that too just just a super great talent and should be recognized for that as well as all the other controversial stuff and the look and yeah just that um somebody to love me the way his voice sounds and thinking about the lyrics and all of the stuff that he's gone through especially in the last 20 years with uh drug addiction and getting arrested and going to prison and all of these things and the, did you see the video for it? That's like a woman playing him in the yeah. 80s. Yeah, so amazing. It's amazing. I, I just think one day there is going to be one hell of a movie. An mm-hmm. Oscar. Because his story is just... Did you actually see that um, there was the... Um, oh, God, was that a TV show? About a boy, was it? Mm-hmm. No. That, it yeah, was, yeah. Something that was, like that. It had Douglas Booth in. I'm yet to watch it. I might actually watch it this evening because I, I totally I was trying to remember what it was called earlier and I remembered it and um the story's so great but not I think people always focus on that st- that time you know the drug addiction the 80s and the stuff with John Moss but I think there's been equally as interesting moments since mm-hmm. uh, yeah. worried about the boy worried about the boy that's it yeah not about a boy that's with Nicholas <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> like slight, a slightly story. different story yeah <laughs> Yeah, he's such, uh, it's also amazing that he, his personality, I think, is a huge contributing factor too, because he's so cheeky and he doesn't mind saying what's on his, what's on his mind anytime, doesn't really care what people think of him. I think that's never changed. Mm. And that's so refreshing. Again, as that's, look, that's what I want my pop stars to be. I don't want them to be cookie cutter. I don't want them to be girl next door. I don't want them to look like Ed Sheeran. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't want to be someone that could be stood next to me in the pub. I want someone to look like they've been beamed down from space and I want them to be able to say whatever the fuck they want, you know, and Boy George still lives by that. But the thing is, a lot of people take what he says so... He's having fun. He's taking Mm. them... I find it's always a bit... It's very tongue-in-cheek. It's very self-deprecating and it's very smart. And I think if you don't get it, then you're thicko, piss off. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. Do you feel the influence of that 
the the scene that he was part of in the work that you do now i mean i i, I see looking I, at you know pictures of sync the pink events the way that people dress up and the way that people you know just put their all into it and get really excited and make a big night of it reminds me of the the effort that people would put in to go to clubs like taboo i mean i think sync the pink is much more inclusive and um you know everybody is welcome Taboo was uh, a lot more about like <laughs> stopping people on the door and being a bit shitty about um, who could who could come in. But in terms of people just having a place to really express themselves and um, have fun and relax. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I see it now. Ten years on, Sink the Pink. I definitely see it now. But I think at the beginning, I didn't know that that was maybe part of why I was doing it. But obviously, mm. George. And, and not just George, but that whole taboo and kinky galinky and, oh God, there was so many, so much amazing stuff going on in London, actually, from the 80s through to the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, all of that the amazing self-expression that was going on there. I was always very, very, I didn't go to any of it. Obviously, mm. I'm too young, darling. <laughs> I was very intrigued and I was always digging around for information on it. Um, and I think that subconsciously, it, I was always the biggest weirdo anyway, but I think that, that, that knowing there was other fellow weirdos out there that had done these things and come before me, maybe sort of like seeped into my pores and maybe a little bit more motivated and, and tenacious to go out and do it. So yeah, I definitely, there's, there's influence. And I think that that happens in clubbing culture anyway. I think that we kind of, we pass the, the kind of club kid baton onto the next people, much as I hope that when Think the Pink is all done and dusted, and it's not happening anytime soon, may I? <laughs> <laughs> um, but when it is, I would hope that people that it that, that have been coming to Think the Pink for the last ten years, where it's become part of their story and their narrative, I would hope that it inspires them to go on and do other creative things, because I think we live in an ever increasingly boring time, and I think that yeah, it's it's us weirdos that um well fuck shit up basically and make yeah. it a bit interesting um and become a counterculture and Is that just a long answer yes yeah <laughs> but very true and i think having these cultural touchstones you know whether it's a, a club or a band or a musical genre or whatever that inspires people to push the boundaries and live authentically and be as creative as they possibly can that is what pushes culture forward it's it's endorsement isn't it and it's like god they're doing it i can do it and i think the whole world is always trying to keep us people that won't be told what to do us with the punk spirit because that's the one you know that's punk was it wasn't just a fashion movement it wasn't just punk is a spirit that you you have within you and just because you're not wearing a mohican doesn't mean that you have a you don't have a punk sort of um outlook on the world or a kind of moral compass or not moral compass but you know like a life compass that is punk i definitely have i'm definitely someone that if i'm told something should be a certain way i don't i won't take that it's gospel i need to know why and if i don't agree then i will do everything in my power to deconstruct it <laughs> with force so i think that people will always want to do that and the yeah. more we kept that you know the more people get and that, and obviously that is definitely something that boy george was all about and i think still is mm-hmm. although can i just add do you watch real housewives <laughs> this is, I'm just uh, like, 
Uh, not really. I, I, love, I'm talking, I love I'm talking about how punk I am. Yeah. I'm obsessed with Real Housewives. And Boy <laughs> George is on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, really? And, yeah, I didn't see that coming because basically there's a character called Dorit. I'm going to educate you now, Adam. Um, <laughs> and it's a piece of education you never need to do anything with. Uh, yeah, uh, this uh, rather annoying housewife actually called Dory, And she's married to Boy George's manager, PK. So mm. he, he pops up. And it's very strange for me to see him live in this sort of like macrobiotic, raw food, Beverly Hills life. And there's, I'm intrigued by it. But there's part of me that's like, no, 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 no. It's not, it's not what I want from you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, this is not my part of, but it's, it's his life. <laughs> he can live it how he wants. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's just pushing things to the, uh, the furthest extreme. It's like he's already done every you know his style has evolved to such a state that maybe like normcore is the next the next uh, uh, stop he can, he can live up a tree as a gnome called shelby if he wants he's boy george he can do what how he wants <laughs> uh, you should suggest that to him uh do you know so here's the thing so i have only met him once which is i always find this really weird because i feel like our world's we know lots of the same people. Our world should have collided. And I don't know whether or not he's maybe had a restraining order out on me for some time, and I don't know about it. But <laughs> I, um, I saw him at a gallery probably about 15 years ago when I just moved to London. I was really drunk, and he was DJing. And then I chased him down the street and asked for a picture. <clears throat> and he was super polite, looked a bit worried, but super polite, had a picture of me, and I was just a total mess. And then I, my friend lives next door to him. Mm. And again, once when I was drunk, I tried to climb up on the wall and have a look over, but there was no one there. But I, I'm, yeah, I'm yet to properly meet him and have a conversation. And I think that's best, if I'm honest. You should yeah. never meet your heroes, right? Right. I yeah. just think I, I don't really give a shit about celebrities in there well it's not that i like rubbish celebrities so i like people like jane mcdonald and sue pollard and mccosey from big brother but like i <laughs> i don't get excited by big megastars with the exception of boy george mm. so i would i think it's best that i don't meet him yeah i've heard that he's a wonderful human and i just want to i think it's best for me to just keep that there yeah you know and you know absorb uh, his energy from afar and, you know, appreciate him as a fan instead of uh, having a personal relationship. Well, yeah, also do, I mean, I can't imagine anyone that's lived their life and lived a career then wants to talk about how they lived it. You know, do you know what I mean? It's going to be weird if I start like spouting off all these, my, my, uh, my life with Boy George, like he gives a shit about that. Yeah, I just uh, read an interview with him that was... Uh, a, a recent one for the new album and it starts with him saying like I'm so sick of all of these fucking questions the same questions over and over again that I've been getting oh, for I, 30 years I hope you don't ask me any of those I bet they interview asking the same questions yeah yeah for some strange reason people are still so because there's not can you think of anyone that's kind of been like him since I'm trying to think oh mm. and I'm I'm talking authentically I guess there have been people I don't know have there I can't think. Mm. No, no, it's only one. Yeah, we're force I mean, fed. You know, we're force fed boring shit now. That's no, there's no boy Georges out there. Yeah. the The other thing that I think is interesting is like you have pop stars who have a look 
that they, you know, evolves over the years, but it's like a costume that they wear on stage and then they have their life outside of that. And he lives this, you know, he, he is who he is and his look has evolved that, you know, the way he dresses and uh, his music and his career has evolved, but he's always just authentically himself. And um, yeah, exactly. yeah. And I love that, you know, like a great example of that. I, um, the thing is, I mean, you know this, being a fellow homosexual, but <laughs> when, when we are fans of someone, we are fans till the goddamn end, mm-hmm. which is why the Venga boys are still touring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I keep booking them. <laughs> but I hate, I, I, I feel so cheated. And I take it really personally when I'm sold a fake. I'll give you an example of this. Ginger Spice. Mm. Ginger Spice wasn't real. She was a bloody fake. Geraldine Bernadette Halliwell in her two pieces in her next collection. That's who she was all the time. I hate that we were sold this like amazing, ballsy, feminist, larger than life, empowering female. And now she is just an insipid poo in a wig. (laughs) Not that I have strong feelings about it at all. (laughs) Yeah. it's. I mean, I feel like whatever awards show it was where she first came out with her yoga toned body and her blonde highlights. Do you remember what that there was like, uh, she, uh, right was... when she lost shitloads of weight, it was like after the Spice Girls yeah. had split up and she, um, you know, had this like big reveal. I can remember. Yeah. And then she just turned into like a blonde extensions kind of, Oh, just a cookie cutter pop star. I just like, I hate that, you know. I if I'm being sold something, I I, I need them to be drinking the I need them to be drinking the milkshake too. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. boy George is that. Um another interesting little footnote in uh when I was reading every Boy George interview and article that I could get my little hands on. He did um Mark Ronson interviewed him for Interview Magazine. I think it was oh, around nice. the time when they were um recording that song. Yeah. And he was talking about flying from London on Concord so that he could go to Taboo and then go to the New York clubs in the same week and would do that constantly. And it was just like, you know, it was at a time when he was his fame was at its peak and he probably had the most money he had in his entire life so it was just like you know that I, yeah. from what I gather so I think that Culture Club are the first band to ever be signed for Virgin I might like that might be not actually correct but I'm almost sure it is and it was at a time where people were buying albums if you look at their sales you know especially of I don't like the song but Karma Chameleon and Do You Want Do You Really Want to Hurt Me you mm. know we're not talking about a small band here we're talking about a band that were humongous the money they must have made from that time at a time when being a pop star was exactly that it was the the cocaine concord and champagne lifestyle just i mean god how amazing would that be (laughs) i would into it as well i would just be living on a concord yeah yeah absolutely insane and that that i'm trying to see if i can find how many albums they sold of those first two albums but it was something insane it's like 75 million or something ridiculous yeah, that's the thing you know when people go oh they're really successful now if you compare it to what was happening in the 80s and the 90s but jesus christ it's like you know serious amount of uh of streaming yeah let's find that fact i bet it's a biggie yeah. but have you ever watched the video you know one of my favorite boy george songs actually he did a song called generations of love have you have you heard that Mm, I don't know. 
amazing, right? So a so he was doing it was a solo project. I don't think it was on an album. I believe it was just on its own. But there's this great Paul Oakenfold remix of that, and it was filmed. The video, the video is really good, really rare. I don't know if you'll find it on YouTube's, but it's worth a look. And it's uh, filmed on Old Compton Street, and it's it's all filmed in in all the haunts in the old Soho haunts. So like old Soho review bar when it was a cinema like a porn cinema and it's got Lee Barry's in it is like a hooker a Sutili Princess Julia's in it you know <laughs> so good it's such a, but it's such a perfect song so that's what I mean even that it just it's continued to make good music yeah that's amazing so I have a total including his solo stuff it's 50 million albums and then wow. 100 million singles sold how many 100 million worldwide yes that's 1 billion 100 million 100 million is um 100 million <laughs> million <laughs> yeah um, no, numbers are not my thing boy george's yes <laughs> um but yeah wow that's serious pretty fucking it? incredible yeah god i wonder how much money how much of that money was spent on cocaine like yeah 75 percent maybe <laughs> hey, yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, um, I love seeing music videos that are like there's there's a lot of big kind of cultural touchstone videos that are filmed in in Soho um in London yeah and, sure. yeah well that were filmed in Soho yeah that's uh, yeah that's true Listen, yeah. I, I was in Old Compton Street actually yesterday and um ah uh, you know change happens there's nothing we can do about it it's moving on and play and and I think but Soho for me, it's just, it needs, it still needs to be a bit dingy. Even when I moved to London sort of 15, 16 years ago, Soho was a different place than it is now. And it's totally, it's, it's about, it's, there's a couple of little bits of Soho I go, oh, that still feels a bit rotten. Mm. Um, but they're about to go as well. It's on its way out. But yeah, that video is a really good moment to see <laughs> how how dodgy uh, the road was. Old Compton Road, Old Compton Street, even. Yeah. Do you remember it? When did you live in London? Uh, from ninety nine until twenty two thousand eleven. Wow. Okay. Um, and yeah. I was. Like my sisters lived in London um, in the '90s as well, so I was going out, like, would go to visit them, and um, so I remember, I remember it well. I remember when Soho was a a very different place. That stayed right, piss. It, it was the place. It was kind yeah. of really there was there was little pockets, small pockets of other areas. You know, in the '80s you had Earl's Court, and there was a bit of a Vauxhall thing going on, mm. but Soho was really where the busloads of gays would go. And now, I mean, they're still there because, you know, they're, they're busy dancing in all the West End numbers. But, yeah. but yeah. it's not it's not what it was. Oh, yeah. woe is us. Woe yeah. is us. But in, in all honesty, I mean, I think it's because all the clubs closed. So now it's just bars. Because obviously, yeah. the, the Astoria was there and there was all those, like, bigger clubs. And the Soho Review, which is now the Ghetto. Ghetto! Oh my god! I used to. There was always like a, an inch of urine all over the floor. Can you remember? Yeah, yeah. Um, ghetto was literally the ghetto, and that you would never, you would. I would come back with such like so dirty. You know, you'd have mystery stains all over you. What a yeah. night! 
Yeah, like this cigarette smoke infusion and like beer yeah, just yeah. caked like, all over you and yeah. You would smoke indoors. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. No smoking yeah. area. You would just go. You would stay inside. Yeah. I remember going in a pair of white jeans once. Imagine that. <laughs> Nag. And when I got outside and got on the bus, I looked down and I had blood all over me. Oh my and it god! Was my blood. It wasn't my blood, by the way, and I still don't know where that blood came from. Fuck. What a love story! Ugh, uh, like disgusting but amazing as well. I can remember like the sweat dripping off of the ceiling as well. Just those low ceilings that, yeah, it's just like scummy in those fucking disgusting toilets. Yeah. And everything was red, so you kind of, I don't know, it was just, it was grim. <laughs> yeah. I, I loved it. Oh, and me too. It would be, you'd be sploshing and crunching for all the red stripe cans on the floor, or whatever the beer was that you drank then. Just yeah. right. Yeah. There's, uh, that, really- that place was such a huge part of my 20s, I think. I mean, you know. Me too. We didn't know each other then. I'm, I'm sure we were in there at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's the same with anyone who's around our age. You, you know, if you meet people who you didn't know then who were gay and going out in London, even people who weren't gay. I mean, I think that was more like nag, 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 uh, yeah. kind of being a uh, scene for cool people, no matter who I they were. Love but... Nag, nag, nag. Mm. I love it. Actually, do you know what? Boy George used to always go nag, 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 right? I think he used to DJ there, did he? Yeah, yeah. And that was another thing in this Mark Ronson interview that he talks about, like, Nag 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 being um, the club that he feels like was closest to the clubs that he went out to in the eighties. I never saw him on Nag Nag Nag, not through lack mm. of trying. I'd be like, oh, I wonder if we're going to see Boy George tonight. No, I mean he was probably in there, but I used to get. I mean, drunk on a different level. Do you yeah. remember those days? You'd get on the night bus and you'd end up in the last stop. I used, that was me all the time back then. Yeah. I'd end up. I was living in. I can't remember where I was living, but I'd end up in Fern Barnet, wherever that is, all the time. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> oh, those were the days, Adam. Oh, the night bus. Um, the night bus. There's a drag queen in London now called the night bus. That is incredible. Yeah, yeah London's still alive, babes, when they're doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's it's like, it's sad that Soho isn't what it used to be. And, you know, I, I think there's this, always this nostalgia for the, the things that you loved when, um, you know, back in the day but cities like london and new york will always find a way <laughs> and um things just move to different places even you know when when the gentrifiers come and kill the things you love you you move those things to different places but they can knock the buildings down they can put the buildings up but you can't kill the people yeah like we will all st- always i think that if anything it just makes you more resilient the more it just the shift happens you know and i think east london has now become really the destination for for the majority of not everyone but for, for the majority of people wanting a queer clubbing experience mm-hmm. and you just yeah new new things new times and you just have to roll with it i'm someone that lives in the future i don't really like to dwell on the past there's i don't really see any point to it because there's nothing you can do about it Mm. and you can have fond memories but they're they're memories that's the point (laughs) so focus on the future as long but you have to keep things open and keep doing stuff but it's happening you know i believe in london more than ever before and i believe that 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 time that i looked to as a young boy when i was in bristol and i looked at what was going on in london and it it felt so far away for me and so exciting i believe it's still happening but I'm now facilitating it. Mm. So I feel that's the biggest 
360 and that's the effect that boy george has had on my life is that i've somehow taken this inspiration that i had as a as a youngster and he's he's carried he's in he's in me boy george yeah. is in <laughs> and it's yeah. maybe sort of subconsciously affected some of my decisions with my career for sure yeah and that you know spirit of pushing things forward and pushing your own boundaries and trying to evolve and change and um not, and not giving a, not giving a shit yeah for sure that's amazing um so yeah i think i think that's good i think we got it Yay. Great. i'm so happy we, we got to talk all right, babes. Well, listen, it's so nice talking to you, and I'll catch up with you soon, yeah? Yes, thank you so much. All right, loads of love. Bye. Bye. That was cute and fun. Did you like that? I really hope so, because I did, and then we'll have something in common, and wouldn't that be lovely? Okay, no more waffling. Down to business. Recommendations. So, the first one is the new Tyler, the Creator album, Igor. It's great. He has always done some weird shit, but this is very different. Super melodic, much less rapping than his usual stuff, and I really like it. Have a listen, why don't you? Also, I listened to the most recent Blondie album, Pollinator, which came out two years ago and completely passed me by. It's so great! I'd been a bit meh about the album before that, but this is really lovely and evocative of the stuff they made at their peak, but still really fresh and modern, so well done to Debbie and the gang. And lastly, there's a Netflix show. There's another one of their short-form shows that I like called It's Bruno. It's about a young guy who lives in Brooklyn, and he has a dog named Bruno. That's kind of it. But it's very light and funny and set in New York, so it does the job for me. And the dog is really cute too, and I love dogs, so that's a nice bonus. Okay, shall we say goodbye? Why not? As always, please follow me on social media at Spark Parade and rate and review the show wherever you download it. Pretty please. Other than that, have a great week. Till next time. Bye. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.